the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a journey back in time. We go back and look at the finer days of wrestling fandom. We go back to the mid-90s for some of us and look at the New Generation era of the World Wrestling Federation and this week, of course, it's no different. Same format that we usually have. I am solo today, back in the old lab, back doing my thing on the uh, the home turf. Last week, being on the road and recording with Grappler 6, talking about WWF video games of the new generation era. Very uh, fun topic to discuss, uh, as well as kind of look back afterwards as well, see people's responses. Again, you know, if you're in that late 30s, I hate to even say early 40s age range, and this is the era where you were becoming a teenager and starting to dabble in other things. If it kept your interest to stay in the wrestling bubble, you were all about those video games. So I really enjoyed going back and taking a look at those because it was kind of the backbone of being a fan at that time was that evolution of the video game to see what it was like from the end of 92 all the way to uh, early 97 and how they, uh, they changed, how the graphics changed, how the video component changed and uh, the different systems changed. So very cool stuff. If we need to revisit it, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if anybody's got some input. I'd love to get deeper into it. If that's possible, maybe a look at the uh, specific uh, titles Whatever anybody's thinking, I'm always down to uh, to kind of see what it's all about because I really enjoy embracing this new generation era. I feel like I'm one of the only voices out there who's the uh, the kind of uh, the voice of the voiceless era. You know, this new generation era still not really getting as much love as it should. Maybe very undue. Maybe it's just because of a few simple uh, characters or, or simple components that people look at and say, no, this is what I think of when I think of this era. You know, your Mantars and Bastion Boogers and the Goon and all the silly stuff that still had their place at that time because we could pick silly stuff out of every single era that there's been. This one just kind of a down period because of what we would end up seeing in the Monday Night Wars and how they just absolutely got their butts handed to them on a weekly basis. Uh, but we will relive a lot of this still. There's still so much topics, uh, so many topics and so much ground to cover in the new generation that, uh, again, we've only scratched the surface, which each and every episode, but I digress. Uh, love to kind of point out a couple of the things going on in the new generation uh, world in today's wrestling. Um, and, and one thing I might be a little bit late to the party on, and that's just because of uh, old age, perhaps. Um, not really, but just maybe out of lack of uh, interest in exploring the platform. But uh, it, delving into Instagram a little bit more, like I have over the last uh, month or so for uh, business purposes, 
Uh, you know, and of course, follow me, IB Exclusives on Instagram. Uh, seeing the love for the new generation era has been a very cool uh, little thing to, to keep my eye on. Uh, I've been very specific with some of the pages that I followed for classic content. Uh, most of them having to revolve around Bret Hart. You know, obviously, I'll talk about that in a minute, too. But uh, the new generation era is not as vehemently despised in some realms than maybe I originally thought. Uh, the Bret Hart accounts that are out there that are dedicated to Bret Hart's whole entire career. Uh, I don't know if they just all kind of agreed to do the same thing at the same time, but a bunch of the accounts that I'm following now all kind of hitting on the same new generation uh, content around the same time. Uh, and, and a great breakdown to include, you know, pictures I've never seen before, matches I've never seen before, unearthing some house show footage that uh, you can't even find on YouTube. And, you know, I talk about that every so often, those hidden gems that are uh, out there on YouTube, you know, some of the house show footage, the fan cams. Um, I saw one this past week that was so cool, but I didn't get to see the full match. It was only chopped up to fit those Instagram videos. Uh, it was a six man tag. It was uh, Bret Hart. Actually, was it a six man? No, it was a tag. It was Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect taking on Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And it was unbelievable how great. Oh, no, excuse me. Lex Luger and Razor Ramon against Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. Sorry. I'm thinking of another six man that I uh, have already talked about. But this tag team match was excellent. It was at Madison Square Garden. It, it could have been a television main event. It was bumps all over the place. It was the crowd on its freaking heels. They, everybody was on their feet screaming for the whole entire match. It was a nice, clean finish. It was uh, a, an absolute uh, clinic for getting heat by the bad guys and the, the good guys absolutely taking in those uh, cheers at the right moments and using them for the comeback. Just a, an excellent, and I hate to say excellently executed main event, but this was a match I would love to find in its entirety. I would spotlight it here if we could, but it is, uh, I've never seen it before. I've never seen it on a fan cam. I've never seen it on a uh, on a house show um, uh, bootleg, nothing. Saw it on here for the first time. Uh, very cool stuff. It was on, I think it was the Bret Hart fans uh, Instagram account. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, I'm just new to this stuff, so I'm just searching things and they pop up and I follow them and I kind of go from there. Uh, but yeah, very cool match. Uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, narcissist Lex Luger era. So he he, ta he even takes the fall. Sorry, spoiler alert. He gets pinned by Bret Hart in that feud that never happened. We talked about that with Husey months and months ago about uh, the fallout from WrestleMania 9. Bret Hart clean, uh, cleanly pins the uh, the narcissist in the middle of the ring. You know, Mr. Perfect is flying all over the place, you know, uh, hot tags left and right. It just was a, an absolutely perfect, there you go, main event uh, at Madison Square Garden in 1993. Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect against Razor Ramon and Lex Luger. Definitely, uh, let's check more into that in the uh, weeks and months to come. Uh, another cool thing that I don't think I mentioned on here, but talking about merchandise from the new generation era, let's talk about this new generation ring that Mattel Creations, which is a little bit of like an insider, you know, collector-based uh, website by Mattel, uh, just had this massive new generation uh, arena um, 
up for a crowdfunding effort that they're now exploring. Uh, they needed 5,000 backers to make this thing go live. It's $250. It comes complete with the multicolored entryway, which now has the just WWE uh, retro logo, you know, with the uh, the multicolor, not the WWF. So we got to be mindful of the uh, the the old lawsuit from 20 years ago. The red, white, and blue ropes, the uh, the blue new generation canvas with you know World Wrestling Entertainment now on the side with the three W's going across it. It's got the blue steps. It comes with Big Daddy Cool Diesel, uh, complete with uh, changing heads, so you can get uh, you know Stone Face Diesel. Or you could get yelling diesel, and one comes with a black glove fist, the other is a black glove open hand. You could switch out, and the tasseled vest of Big Daddy Cool. I mean, what can be more new generation than the man who made it run on diesel power for over a year? Uh, Big Daddy Cool's uh, he's, had, he's had figures before, but this is complete with the new generation uh, arena. Just a really cool thing that you look back and you say, "Man, I would have loved to have had." a ring with turnbuckle pads that are actually like soft or, you know, with the hooks that hook into the post, like a real ring actually does. I mean, the stuff that is out there now for collectors uh, to the minute details of even having what the wood pieces underneath the canvas look like to put the ring together. I mean, a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. Now you're not giving this to little Johnny and having little Johnny, you know, uh, play with his figures. And that would be nice. And that would be great to see, but this is going to be sitting on some collector's shelf or some uh, collector's, uh, you know, uh, diorama display, which are, those are very cool. I give everybody all the credit in the world for putting those together, but this costs $250 I believe, can you still get on it? Let's see. Are you, are, are you able? No, you, I think it's closed. Uh, but what they needed, they needed 5,000 backers. They got to 8,499 backers. And when you hit different tiers, they made other things available. So the second unlockable tier was the Ultimate Edition Doink the Clown figure. So this is more of an accurate depiction of Heel Doink than I think we've really ever seen before. It's got a very, very cool, um, uh, you know, unique jacket. It's got the doink face paint, you know, perfectly uh, painted on there. And uh, yeah, I mean, what a, what a great little addition is this heel doink with the red jacket, the green uh, leg, uh, you know, um, tights with the blue top. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, they also had a second tier was an, uh, a swappable ring skirt. So you can uh, obviously change out the ring skirts. I mean, this is stuff we never thought of uh, ever before. Uh, they also had another tier, which I'm not sure if they got to it or not, but they have a Macho Man. Uh, <laughs> oh, this was the early bird exclusive, a Macho Man in the WrestleMania 10 entrance gear to include the hat. And also his headset, because it would be a part of the new generation commentators table with two folding chairs, a, a table with a blue uh, skirt over it, two monitors, two microphones, and of course you need your commentators uh, headset. This is the kind of shit that is just unbelievable for a kid growing up in the 90s, where when they had the yellow King of the Ring ring come out, you couldn't even find the damn thing uh, in the stores which uh, was a bummer. And although I've told my story of we found it and gave it to a kid who I still hate to this day uh, as a birthday gift, uh, nonetheless, uh, you had your choice of your blue ring and then eventually a yellow king of the ring ring. 
and now you have full entire entrance arenas. I used to have to take a step stool and drape a, a Kleenex tissue over it, cut the tissue up the middle, and there's your entryway. Uh, I thought I was cutting edge at that point or putting the uh, the magazines up along the side to make it like a WWF arena. But now it's like you get these complete, um, like ridiculous uh, Frankenstein creations from the mind of a, uh, a toy designer. Just so great for uh, for kids uh, nowadays, us older kids looking back. I mean, ridiculously cool. Um and check out MattelCreations.com. I mean, I guess it's not, nothing more than a, an advertisement for Mattel Creations. They've got Hot Wheels on there. They've got Masters of the Universe for all you Masters of the Universe fans. Uh, if you're a Street Sharks fan, they've got some cool Street Sharks stuff up there. You know, if you're a uh, Barbie enthusiast, you could also find some Barbie-related uh, things up there. Hot Wheels, yada, yada, yada. Mattel has great stuff. Go to Mattel uh, creations.mattel.com and you'll find your way to... Uh, the new generation arena to take a look at it. So that's another cool one. Uh, another cool thing we got to talk about here is really the main topic of today's show. And that is this absolutely uh, stunning slight. If you blinked, you missed it. Homage to one of the most defining matches of the new generation era from July 11th, 1994, Brett, the Hitman Hart taking on the one, two, three kid uh, Monday night raw in uh, what we would describe as, I guess the perfect new generation arena. It's one of those, uh, you know, Ico pro laden uh, backdropped uh, smaller venues uh, where the one, two, three kid was put on display here by Bret Hart. Uh, and what we can only describe as a career defining moment. It's something that's been talked about on many interviews by Sean Waltman, as well as, uh, uh, Bret Hart to how this did put him on the map. Actually, looking at it now, it's from uh, the Fernwood Resort in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. It actually uh, was recorded on July 1st, 1994. As we know, these tapings were massive and there were multiple weeks worth of tapings done at one time. Uh, but this match specifically uh, elevating uh, Sean Waltman as the one, two, three kid to an absolutely new height. Now, we knew he was a great wrestler. We knew he was a great performer. We've seen his rise from May 1993 to this point here in July 1994, winning matches, uh, even co-holding the tag team championship very, very briefly at the beginning of the year with Marty Jannetty, uh, <laughs> which sidebar we're going to come right back to. Uh, but this match really defined his uh, his push to superstardom, uh, putting on a 20-minute clinic with Bret Hart in the middle of the ring on Monday Night Raw at the time, the only primetime wrestling show going. There was no Nitro in 1994. This was the absolute pinnacle of a uh, world championship match at this point. And in the, the grand scheme of things, this is on uh, Bret Hart's journey to uh, SummerSlam 94 in the cage with uh, his brother Owen, which we've talked about many times, the great uh, Chicago United Center. Um, uh, main event, the uh, co-main event, the steel cage match uh, and the classic blue cage. Uh, it's one of those things where when you can see it recreated, like we're going to mention here, it, it's an absolute masterpiece. But let me just dial back to Marty Jannetty quickly. There is a match from earlier in uh, the run of the one, two, three kid. It's in 1993. It's towards the, uh, the, the middle part of the year where the one, two, three kid takes on Marty Jannetty on, I believe all American wrestling. It is a classic babyface, babyface match where both babyfaces 
have a little bit of the heel tendencies. We'll see this in this match here today. Uh, but still, for the two of them, uh, who needed the victory more, Marty or the kid? They were both kind of uh, in different trajectories. Marty always kind of sitting in the middle, uh, the kid on the way up. Uh, spoiler alert, Marty Jannetty gets the win via countout, which I still was surprised watching it back. I didn't remember this. I would have thought it would either been a double countout or the kid winning via countout, but the kid suffers a loss via countout after a lot of outside the ring aerial moves by both of them kind of trading them off, you know, baseball slides, dives off the top rope, dive over the rope. Um, one, two, three kids suffering the loss to Marty Jannetty. Maybe as he should, Marty Jannetty is the man. Uh, but this doesn't bother him. This is months and months later. Uh, just a big, big, big match. And I have it playing here to the left of me. We just saw Owen Hart and the Anvil hit the ring. So, of course, it's a homage to, like I said, the build to this 1994 SummerSlam co-main event with uh, Bret Hart. But it's a babyface, babyface match. So you're going to see the handshakes. You're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, jockeying for position, but respectful moves being done. And no bigger respect than in the first opening minutes here in the, the I think, the first lockup of the match. Brett and the kid lock up, and there is a slight jockey for position, an arm drag, and the kid sends Brett over the top. And Bret Hart makes the slight head movement, okay, that at the time, we saw it. We watched this match. You watched it back a million times, especially if you recorded the uh, the contest. It's a slight head movement to say, okay, I'm not going to underestimate this guy. He might be an underdog. He might be the one, two, three kid. We've seen him sneak out victories left and right, but he just tossed the champion away like uh, yesterday's garbage, jockeying for position, arm drags him over. A slight head nod by Bret Hart is all you needed for this match to be on the way to being this 20-minute classic that it is. It's so early in the match. In the first minute, again, blink if you missed it, fast forward 25 years, 27 years really, to CM Punk versus Darby Allin this past weekend at All Out. CM Punk's return to the ring and nearly eight years of being gone. Obviously, if you're a wrestling fan, you know what's been going on. You'd have to be hiding under a rock and buried 15 feet underneath the ground and not know that this match is happening. But early in the contest, CM Punk being a student of the game that he is brought this moment back to life in a similar, almost identical um, uh, timed out spot that I've seen it synced up on Twitter. It couldn't have been synced up any better where the arm, the lockup, the arm drag over CM Punk sits up, does the little head nod and the rest, as they say, is history. This is the stuff that, as wrestling fans, we look for. Those little homages, those little nods to the history of uh, a professional wrestling. And uh, just so perfectly done. And as somebody who's been a wrestling skeptic over the last couple of years and not wanting to enjoy anything and having that sourpuss attitude, uh, the, the just absolute build for the punk return, and the response from the fans, the response of the crowd at the arena, and to see how everything came off and being able to check out a couple of the matches and a couple of the big moments. Uh, my hat's off to CM Punk and AEW. My hat's off to them for that exchange and that little nod to Brett. And we know CM Punk is a huge Brett fan. There is a great uh, uh, sit-down conversation with Bret Hart, CM Punk, and uh, Renee Paquette, now Renee, or formerly Renee Young, now back to her uh, real name, Renee Paquette, 
uh, it was a WWE uh, production from last year where they they talk about uh, Brett's matches, and you just see CM Punk is a fan, and he's you know in this same age range as myself and a lot of the new generation fans of this era because we were all growing up at the same time. Uh, and this match is just, it, it's so well played. I'm going to drop it in the uh, the description here or online. If you follow it on Twitter, check it out on Twitter. I dropped the link underneath the, uh, the posting for this episode. I want you to watch it because if you have never seen it before, you will enjoy it. It is a classic, classic wrestling match with a lot of near falls. And again, just a lot of uh, great, uh, masterful work between the two of them, you know, uh, athletic up the yin yang, you know, helping guys up it, it, again. It's a class baby face, baby face match, but it's still not without its action. And it's not without sometimes maybe taking the, uh, the easy way out uh, of a predicament, but Brett is just flying all over the ring for the kid. You know, he just saw, took a, a mule kick over the top rope as they go to commercial, uh, with Jim Ross and uh, and the Macho Man here on commentary here at a great uh, venue like the, uh, the the Fernwood Resort in Bushkill, Pennsylvania. I mean, who wouldn't want to go see a WWF Monday Night Raw taping uh, in July 1994 <laughs> in any other venue but the Fernwood Resort? Uh, let me run down the card here quickly if you want to check out the full show because it is on Peacock. I did check. Uh, Bret Hart and the one, two, three kid for the WWF championship. You got crushed defeating, not yet broken, uh, not yet uh, deleted Matt Hardy in, in a whopping one minute, 17 seconds. You have the bad guy, Razor Ramon on his way to the intercontinental championship match at SummerSlam 94, pinning Barry Horowitz at two minutes and 53 seconds. And what would be a 1994 Raw without an appearance by Irwin R. Scheister, otherwise known as IRS, defeating uh, the legendary Ray Hudson at three minutes and 48 seconds. Uh, a classic one-hour Monday Night Raw, especially with an, a near 20-minute championship match by the excellence of execution. You, Those are short. Those matches are short, granted. And you still had other things you had to do to fill in the time. Uh, in, in an hour episode, but what else can you say? I would have given this match just the entire hour. It's just that good, you know, and I really, uh, I love the fact that it's getting the attention it is now on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, because it needs to be seen. It is just that good of a, uh, of a contest, but just kind of watching along as we see Bret Hart's got the upper hand, uh, as I uh, check out this contest, I'm probably going to fast forward here for the sake of uh, the timing of this episode. You know, I don't like to eat up your whole day by uh, taking up two hours of your uh, listening uh, stock. I know there's a lot of other shows to listen to, but this will be a key to your new generation uh, enlightenment for the day. Uh, who who would you give the upper hand in this match? I mean, do you just say it's Brett? Even with that one spot at the beginning, do you just have Brett come in and beat up the one, two, three kid for 20 minutes? Is that what you would do as a uh, as a rifle uh, move in this match? Because guess what? It's pretty much what you get. <laughs> you get Brett wearing him down because you got to stop the aerial assault of the one, two, three kid. It's psychology 101. And who's a better master of psychology than Bret Hart. And it's not about wearing down the one body part for, uh, for one specific amount of time. It is taking him and just basically pillar to post. I mean, he is, you know, excellently executing, um, you know, some ground and pound. He's dropping those vicious Bret Hart elbows to the back of the head. 
Um, but the, you know, it's, it's showing that there's a lot of fight in the kid. And, uh, at this point, you know, a year plus in year and two months to knowing what we knew of the one, two, three kid at the time, you knew he could, uh, take a lick in and keep on ticking. But up to this point, you know, he had the Razor Ramon feud. He had the Ted DiBiase feud. Like I said, him and Marty Jannetty won the tag team championship very briefly in January against the Quebecers. Uh, but the one, two, three kid kind of just, you know, meandering around uh, the lower card, not really having an established um, spotlighted feud, but being the guy that could have the great match with everybody. You know, they always said that if you couldn't have a good match with uh, Sean Waltman or one, two, three kid, you know, that was kind of your death in the uh, the Federation because they would put those incoming heels with Sean Waltman. And they would see what did they have when they would go on those house show loops that they would do day after day after day of the same matches. If you couldn't hang with Waltman, you pretty much signed your your death warrant. And, you know, as my my good friend, the uh, the franchise Shane Douglas, that's what the click said about Shane. I know Shane thought he had pretty good matches with Sean Waltman at times, but they're just it's it's a tough, tough, tough uh, road to climb even a year after this in July 95 when Shane comes in, but just watching, you know, well, here comes kid going to get the upper hand There's a flying cross body, uh, quick two count and Brett back on the offensive. But these little things that you, you look for in a match that make it uh, believable. I, I've said a million times about Bret Hart. Although I, I was a fan of the Hogan era, Hogan macho man being, you know, the, the very exaggerated characters that they are and were, uh, Bret Hart was a champion. Bret Hart made you believe he was a champion. Now, was it because we saw his trajectory up and we saw him really climb the ranks? Look at this crucifix pin. Oh, he blocked it and dropped him almost like a uh, backward or a forward Samoan drop. Very interesting uh, counter move there by Bret. And the kid gets his uh, foot on the rope to break up the pin. Brett getting a little frustrated. So very uh, cool to see that the, the hitman showing some uh, some uh, frustration here uh, with the referee Earl Hebner. But we saw Brett's ascent and believed he could be the champion because his um, his his promos were that of a fighter. He was look, I am the guy who is going to carry this belt. You have to pry it out of my dead hands. Um, and he's now kind of fighting with Earl Hebner. Did the kid really get the foot on the rope? He's showing frustration. He's calling to the crowd. Uh, here comes referee Tim White to kind of tell uh, Earl Hebner that, yeah, no, he he. I don't think he got his foot on the rope. And we're going to have a little bit of a referee discrepancy in the, uh, the middle of this match. The kid's getting some wind. He's able to uh, kind of get things together. We're going over to Howard Finkel. We're going to explain what happened here. There's the great Fink. He's holding the world championship. And Brett's yelling down to uh, to the Fink as well. This is great to see Brett. Is This is shades of uh, pre-heel Brett Hart here. They're going to another commercial break. So this is, again, a two-commercial break match for the 1-2-3 kid in 1994. This is wonderful as I now have an ad that won't start and is really uh, kind of messing up the flow here of the uh, the old episode here. Oh, come on. Now look, it went back to 3 Come on. This is bull crap. So fast forward a few minutes into the match. It's restarted. They get back in from the commercial break. 
And uh, okay, so now this is not cooperating with me. But look, I'm going to drop the link in here so you go, you can watch it, and you can see just how great of a uh, of a contest this really is. I love uh, the match. I love the absolute uh, sportsmanship that is shown uh, by Brett with the kid uh, as the match is coming to a close. I've uh, fast forward here, got it back in real time. I had a near fall there by the kid. Brett is going for. The sharpshooter in the middle of the ring. He is about to lock it in. He's going to turn him over. And let's see what we got. Oh, he grabs the ropes. What a block by the one, two, three kid. Z, when you don't watch the match for a long time, you do get the uh, the, the old shock and surprise. Uh, just on a related note, uh, there is a great clip of X-Pac talking about this match. Sean Waltman, X-Pac, one, two, three kid. With Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, talking about the influence that Bret Hart had on him because they also did ride together. Let's not forget about this. I believe at this time there was a little uh, segment of time where the one, two, three kid rode with Bret Hart uh, to various uh, shows. They traveled together. So they got to probably, I'm sure they probably talked this match up and talked it out a million times as we see a superplex. Oh no, turned into a cross body by the kid, a one, two and a kick out there by Bret. Brett seeing that we got to put the uh, the finish on here because uh, the one, two, three kid is really taking that extra minute. We got to whip into the ropes. Oh, and he missed it going for a kick. You don't give a guy like Bret Hart that one opportunity to uh, to wear you down. Let's see what we got. If Brett's going to take him to the corner, if we see one of the classic Bret Hart maneuvers. Oh, we got a bulldog. Bulldog by Brett. Don't see that one pulled out too often. And he's going to the top. One of my favorite Bret Hart moves. We talked about this last week with the uh, the video games, the In Your House video game, that uh, crossbody or that that sharp elbow coming off the top. Nope, one, two, three, kid caught him, throws him off. Wow. Vicious toss by the one, two, three, kid. Who's now going to take to the skies? Look, guys, I mean, this is something that I can always tell you uh, to watch these these raws, these matches. You got to get a feel for the crowd. You got to get a feel for what the business looked like at this point in 1994. And there you go. He catches him with the sharpshooter, locks it in, turns it over, and it's not going to be long for the kid. He taps out uh, rather quickly. What a showing. What a match. Uh, just an absolute uh, masterpiece of uh, wrestling. Even look, the, this is how you know it was put over. The Macho Man is standing up at ringside to give a uh, a, a, <laughs> a resounding uh, round of applause to the one, two, three kid. So is Jim Ross with his uh, very uh, loud tuxedo uh, cummerbund. But if you know they're cheering him at ringside, you knew this was something that was special. And Brad, of course, helping uh, the one, two, three kid up. After the match, Earl Hebner handing over the title. I think a young Shane McMahon, by the way, at ringside acting as a producer with uh, the commentary team, the big hug, and everybody loves each other. Everybody's happy. Uh, I'm going to drop this again in the uh, the description of the episode on Twitter just so you can check it out. This is, I think, the most full version of it to include the full entrances of the one, two, three kid who had one of the cooler entrances at the time with the lights going out and the one, two, three blinking across the floor. Uh, just a, a wonderful homage this past weekend with CM Punk and Darby Allen at all out. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, just type it into Twitter. You'll be able to find it very quickly. I loved it. 
it made me feel great as an old school fan to see that it's respected still and the fans loved it and it had the same purpose that it had back in 1994, July 11th, uh, broadcasted on uh, USA and, of course, recorded July 1st. Thank you, CM Punk, for doing that. It was wonderful. Uh, thank you to uh, everybody who was listening here today. Uh, if I may, as I wrap it up here, um, I am doing a private autograph signing with Bret Hart in October. Uh, just coincidentally, been watching a lot of Bret Hart as I build up for this. If you're looking to get an item signed by Bret, perhaps, or you need something signed, go to my website. It's ibexclusives.com. I have a couple other ones up there presently as well with Mick Foley, with Kane, and with Jerry the King Lawler, uh, Bret Hart, of course, as well. In addition to my baseball signings, I'd love to help you out. I would love to add something uh, to your collection uh, with the Bret Hart seal uh, and signature, one of the best signatures that I've ever seen for a pro wrestler. Uh, again, ibexclusives.com for that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Chad EMB. If you want to follow me on Instagram, like I mentioned before, as I explore the Instagram world, it's at ibexclusives. Uh, this website is tmptempire.com. All the podcasts under the TMPT umbrella are here presently on the tmptempire.com website. And check us out on the Russo brand the triple threat podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas, myself and John Paz every single week, the franchise doing it his way uh, with no filter, uh, absolutely off the cuff and uh, 100% franchise. And if you haven't had enough of me talking to former ECW talent, then head on over to Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Francine podcast, myself and the queen of extreme Francine doing our brand of podcasting a little bit of everything, a little bit of sports, a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of Disney, a little bit of anything and everything in between. Uh, it's a fun show. Come on over and check us out. You will not be disappointed. Uh, so to those of you who have been listening to me today, I appreciate it. Go check out this match and uh, really enjoy this, uh, this, this time capsule of greatness from the new generation era. So for everybody involved in this match, including Earl Hebner and Howard Finkel and the Macho Man and Jim Ross and the Kid and Bret Hart. This is your old buddy, the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.